it's the voice of the one and only DJ Scream. Letting you know that you are now in tune to the Casual Flex, where culture meets sports and casuals are welcome. Now here's your host, Philip Dukes. Yo, welcome to the latest episode of the Casual Flex. I am your host, Philip Dukes, a.k.a. Dukes D Scoop. Catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Dukes D Scoop. So, this is my first podcast officially being 40 years old. Um, I feel good. Had a really good birthday week, man. I kicked it. If you follow me on social media, you know how much kicking it I did. And, uh, man, I just want to say, like, before I get started, um, at the top of this year, I lost my mom, and uh, she was really my best friend. And if I could say anything to anybody listening, don't take one day for granted. Um, I don't really talk about this a whole lot, and a lot of people thought she just got sick because she was 70. But uh, she actually passed away in, um, due to complications from a car accident um, right after Thanksgiving. It's something that nobody ever expected. So if I could say anything to anybody listening to me right now, don't take one day for granted. Live every day. Anything that's worth doing tomorrow is worth doing today, for sure. All right, let's get into it. So, this weekend, no Auburn. So, I got to watch a couple of other teams. And one of the teams that I watched was the Oregon Ducks. Mm. They uh, basically manhandled UCLA. And when I say manhandled, uh, they beat them in all phases of the game. They played great defense. Um, they were outcoached. And Oregon quarterback and former Auburn quarterback Bo Nix had a hell of a game. I mean, literally five touchdowns passing. Just just really crazy stats. And it brings me to think, hmm, what would happen to Auburn if Bo Nix was the current quarterback? And personally, I'm not sure if Auburn would be much better with Bo Nix's quarterback. Why? Well, Bo Nix was Auburn's quarterback last year. And last year was arguably a more talented Auburn team. And you saw the results. So sometimes fit is bigger than talent. And I don't think Bo Nix got a whole lot more accurate. I don't think that he got a whole lot more pocket patience in the year. What I think happened is he's in a system that fits him. He's in a scheme that fits him. And he's in a division, right? that doesn't have the same speed that they have in the SEC. So some of the things that we saw in high school that made Bo Nix a five-star, he you're able to see it more on display now based on the fact that he's in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, um, it's not the SEC. Let's just be honest. I mean, now, if you take, for example, Owen Papo, Linebacker Auburn, physical freak, somebody who did, who who's not having the best year, but he shows traits of somebody that can be better in a different system. If you take him and put him in the Pac-12, I guarantee you he has the same type of season that Bo Nix is having. And uh, not to take anything away from Bo Nix, I think he's playing great football. He's uh, throwing the ball on the money. He's making great decisions, but I do think scheme fit has a lot to do with it. So kudos to uh, the Oregon uh, play calling staff, Oregon's coaching staff as a whole, Dan Landon for identifying his quarterback, because you got to think Dan Landon was a, a, a big hire and knows a lot of guys from this area that could have transferred there, transferred there. 
But he said uh, Bo Nix as his mark. He hit the target. And right now, Oregon is one of the hottest teams in the country. So uh, shout out to Oregon. Um, and I really want to see if Oregon can beat USC and also win the uh, Pac-12 championship to see what they would do in the playoffs to get, to get another shot at an SEC team. Because one thing you did see, Georgia wasn't hearing it. They were not hearing it. But when you got linebackers running four fours all across the board, you got cornerbacks running four twos, you got 300-pound linemen on both sides of the ball, I mean, it, it gets difficult. All right, so moving forward, let's talk about Auburn for a minute. So right now, Harbor's on the bye week. Uh, you got what's going on with the uh, the athletic director trying to figure out a hire and see if that's going to have an impact on who the next Auburn coach will be and if Brian Harson will actually be retained. What I will say about Brian Harson, this is what I like about Brian Harson. When the noise gets loud, he responds. So there was a lot of talk about Brian Harson not getting out recruiting and. A lot of talk about, you know, the coaches not getting on the road. And when that talk got loud enough, you heard Auburn respond. So you saw the coaches on the road. You saw Brian Harson out on the road going to see big-time recruits. And what I can say is that it's, it, it paid dividends. Um, I talked to some guys who were really excited to see him, saw a different side of him. And I do think that Brian Harson can recruit in the SEC. What Brian Har Harson has to do, is want to recruit in the SEC as much as he wants to coach in the SEC. In the SEC, I don't matter. It doesn't matter what your scheme is. If you don't have guys, if you don't have dudes, if you don't have some of the top talent in the conference, you will not win. I don't care what scheme you have. You could be the Mighty Ducks calling a flying V. It won't matter. You got to have guys. Point in example. Tennessee plays Alabama. Spread system, really, really similar. Not, a, not, not super similar, but the way they run their spread system, it looks a lot like schematically to the naked eye what Mississippi State does. Alabama spanked Mississippi State, right? Tennessee beat Alabama. What's the difference? So if you don't think that Mike Leach saw all week long what Tennessee did, which was going super wide, attacking the middle of the field with those option routes that they run. Basically, they run four verts all game and run some option routes, right? But their spacing is so wide that they allow everybody who's running a route to get open. If you don't think Mississippi State did that or tried to, you're crazy. The difference is the personnel. So it takes scheme and personnel in order to win in the SEC. And I think that – uh in order for Auburn to get back where they need to be, it's going to take guys. And I think Brian Harson hears that. And now he knows that you're going to see more recruiting efforts over the over the course of the rest of the season. Um, I, I I don't know how it's going to pay off. I don't know if he remains the coach. But what I do know is he's making an effort. And I always respect effort, whether it's too late. In, in some people's opinion, it may be too late. In my opinion, I just like, hey, man, look, if you see you ain't doing something right and you choose to fix it, how can I – who am I to judge you? <clears throat> for when you decide to fix it or when you get the notification that it's time to fix it because you only know what you know now some people say well if he was the right coach he would have already known that I, I i feel you on that too but for a guy making I, I i will never ever ever 
ever clown a guy making the effort. So moving forward, Atlanta Falcons. I've been talking about the Falcons being a potential playoff team. I've been talking about the Falcons. They're going to make the playoffs if they can get 25 sacks and win the turnover ratio battle. And if they can get Marcus Mariota to stop making those uh, kind of foolish turnovers that he's made early in the season. Coming off a huge win against the 49ers, right? Falcons go play the Bengals and get smacked. Got spanked today. Did that discourage me from thinking that the Falcons can be a playoff team? Not at all. Why? One, the Falcons brand of football met a perfect storm today in the Cincinnati Bengals. How did that happen, Dukes? The Bengals have one of the best passing attacks in the NFL, right? Three good receivers. I mean, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd could probably all be number ones somewhere else in the NFL based on their situation. They exploited the Falcons today. And what I do know about the Falcons is if you cannot run the ball and score quick touchdowns, which is hard to do running the ball, the Falcons become one-dimensional and it's easy to exploit them if you have the type of offense that can run up and down the field. The Bengals went up. 28-17 28-17 in the first half, right? The final score was 35-17. What else did they do in the second half? They scored one more touchdown. What that means is they got on top of the Falcons and stayed on top of the Falcons. The Falcons made decent adjustments. They kept everything in front of them. They only gave up seven more points, but they couldn't score anymore. So what that tells me is that the Falcons are the type of team that they have to be in a dog fight all game long. And if you, you can't run up on them, like the Falcons cannot allow people to get up on them they cannot, they cannot allow teams to shoot out to huge leagues and think they're going to come back with the type of offense they like to run, period. <clears throat> so with that being said, I'm not really discouraged about what the Falcons can and will do because they're going to go against more teams that cannot score at the rate that the Bengals can score at, period, like, like they won't be able to. And in the division that the Falcons are in, they may be the class of the division. All right, let's look at the Saints. Andy Dalton is the quarterback, right? Andy Dalton. And he might, and today he threw four touchdowns, but he gave you back three. But that's basically only throwing one. He threw, he, he gave you back three interceptions. So, in my opinion, three turnovers are opportunities for the other team to score. So, I'm looking at that as a plus one. Okay, let's look at the Panthers. The Panthers beat the Bucks. <laughs> The Panthers beat the Bucs today. Who's the Panthers quarterback right now? P.J. Walker. Wow. Exactly. I'd take Mariota over P.J. Walker right now. And let's go to the Bucs. Tom Brady. What is wrong with the Bucs? Man, the Bucs look bad. The Bucs look bad. And the Bucs who have a really, really strong defense, also play a lot off their offense like most NFL teams do, most football teams, period, do. And right now the offense isn't giving them anything. They aren't aren't running the ball well. They are down a couple of offensive linemen. They don't run the ball well. And Tom Brady is not making the same type of Tom Brady decisions that we're used to seeing in the past. Is Is Tom Brady's personal life affecting his play? Hmm. I'd like to dig into that a little bit. 
I've never seen Brady look this discombobulated. I've never seen Tom Brady hesitate so much. The last time I saw this Brady was the last year in New England, and that was the year that Belichick thought, you know, it was, he, eh, yeah, this is what I thought I was seeing. Because the year prior, Tom Brady could have been out of New England. But, you know, they held on to him. He had a bad year, and Bill Belichick was willing willing to go forward with the divorce. So this Tom Brady that we're seeing right now, whew, I think the I think the Falcons can handle them. I absolutely do. So if the Falcons can continue to run the ball well, right? Play good team defense and figure out how to sign some guys who can help them in the secondary while they're having injury issues. I absolutely think the Falcons can and will win the division, win the NFC South. But let's talk about personal issues dealing in, in, in regards to play on the football field. Me personally, as a guy that goes to work every day, if I ever got something going on in my personal life, you know what? It shows up in my work nine times out of ten. Everybody always talks about leaving work at the door or leaving your personal life at the door when you come to work. But above all, we're humans. So if you have something shaking you up in your personal life, it's kind of going to show. I ain't going to lie. I think the future verse where he says he still smashes Sierra or I still smash on C, which could be t- which could be taken a bunch of ways. I think it's having an impact on Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson looks bad. He does. He absolutely does. And I think it's probably having an impact on him. One, Sierra didn't come out and say anything. We're talking about very vocal people, people who have the media at every outlet. He, she absolutely could have came out and said something. She didn't. All right. I cannot speculate upon what really happened. I don't know. But what I do know is I see a I do see a difference in Russell Wilson. He looks way more hesitant. He's off. He Russell Wilson's game has always had this cerebral component to it where he was always making the right read. If you've been on social media in the past month, you've seen multiple times where guys have been wide, wide open. I mean, open 7-Eleven, Waffle House. I hop in the hood, open, yeah, that one. They've been that open, and Russell Wilson is just straight up missing them. And I, I and I'm thinking, what is what could be wrong with Russell Wilson? He had weapons at the time when things were going the worst. He had two decent running backs in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. He had three or four tight ends. They throw the ball to five tight ends. You got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, who we all thought if you go look at. Fantasy teams across the country, there are plenty of teams that are looking for more production out of those wide receivers and aren't getting it, and we're expecting it based on their talent level and Russell Wilson's expected talent level. We just didn't get it. Just just did not get that. So, uh, I don't know, man. I hope uh, something comes up. You know, I like Russell, man. You know why I like Russell? Because... He stands on family. He stands on his own business. He's his own man. And I just think that uh, hopefully Russell Wilson can figure it out. And uh, maybe maybe it's hard for me not to think that maybe that verse has something to do with it. But in the meantime, we'll see. We just have to watch and be patient. <clears throat> so 
NCAA basketball, there's major, major talk about the uh, excuse me, the 64 team tournament with the play in teams expanding. Why? It's hard enough to keep up with the play in game of teams we never heard of. It's hard enough to keep up with 16, uh, uh, 16 seed type teams. We don't need any more teams. What we do need, we don't have yet. And that's a 12 team playoff. You get four people buys in football. You have four four teams buys and take eight. Now you got eight teams. You can take the best teams in the country and really figure it out. The UCFs of the world from 2017, uh, the Boise States back in 04, like those type teams. When he, when you had Cincinnati last year got to the playoffs, and even though Georgia did their thing, like I mean, you know, it was good to see Cincinnati in there just so we can know. So if I had if I was to expand any playoff, it'd be football and not basketball. But let's get into the culture a little bit. Little baby just dropped the album. <clears throat> he really did. And um, so 210,000 records, I think. So a lot of people are saying that the album ain't all that. And me personally, I think that when it comes down to it and you think about the pressure that came with Lil Baby being the guy in the game, we're talking about like for the past however many years, Lil Baby has been that guy. At this point, anything outside of a classic would have been viewed as a disappointment. And I think that lends into, leads us to, sometimes doing too well can be a gift and a curse. Because when nothing is expected of you, that anything you do, and when you do something really well, it's always met with praise and adulation and admiration. But when you're that guy already, it's really, really hard to meet the expectations. Prime example, I think that's why Andre 3000 won't give us a solo album. Because every time, every time he drops a verse, every the hip-hop world stops. And we got to go see what Dre's doing. And a real this is a real story. In probably about 2016, I put a tweet out. And I said, I hope Andre 3000 comes back. And my buddy, uh, Black on Seabone, who actually made this t-shirt, uh, go follow Dope Stories online. Sure. But my buddy, Black on Seabone, took my tweet and sent it to Andre. He's a member of the Dungeon family as well. Was in the uh, group Concrete. Has the verse on um, uh, Big Boy's Kryptonite. He sent that tweet to Andre and said, hey, man, they're waiting on you, Dre. Sent my tweet to Dre. And Dre responded, hey, man, I don't feel, I just don't feel like I got it, man. You know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can meet the expectations. That's a, that's a real situation. So if the greatest rapper of all time when it comes to Southern rap and probably rap worldwide, like when it comes down to bar for bar, word for word, Dre is probably the greatest, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion. But nobody's going to put him outside of the top five. And if they do, they hate him. But for a guy like that to talk about pressure from a random Twitter guy, imagine how hard it is for athletes. Imagine how hard it is for anybody who's been at the pinnacle, the pinnacle of their game and especially somebody like Lil Baby, who came up with the baby, who just sold maybe less than 30,000 records. I don't even think he outsold a game. So for him to do what he did, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to Baby, uh, Lil Baby, because I mean, you, you did your thing, dog. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the single, hey, like it was eh, kind of hard, you know, but, it, but it's hard in its own way. 
but the rest of the album going off. So, you know, um, definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Baby on that one. And uh, yeah, man, when, when it comes down to it, and we can just talk about this, man, like, man, pressure is an is a MF, as they say. Pressure is hard. But at the end of the day, as long as you can meet the pressure the same way that you met it with when you were coming up, I think with the same vigor, the same attitude, the same chip on your shoulder, and this goes for anybody. I don't care if you're a supervisor at Walmart. I don't care if you're a, a, a C-level a C level executive, whatever it is. If you can find out how to be as hungry as you were before you got the role that you're currently in, you'll be fine. So, hey, man, look, it's my time. Uh, you guys been great. You got any questions, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to see me interview, anybody you want to see me interview, excuse me, man, hit me up, man. Let me know. Twitter and Instagram at Dukes D Scoop. Um, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Hey, man, happy birthday to me. Appreciate y'all for all the love. I'm out.